They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafalos. All right, it says we're live. So, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, party people. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to uh, another edition of the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast. As is my way, I like to uh, continue fun conversations, and I can think of none more fun than the one uh, I got to crash a couple of days ago. Uh, that was good. And so, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was it was interesting. Uh, JJ on Security Uncorked hosted this really fun discussion over BYOD. Josh and Shannon were uh, on it. And uh, I was I was at my keyboard thundering away at replies to make Josh crazy. And uh, I said, you know, what, what the hell? Why don't we do this as our own podcast? So <laughs> now, ta-da! <laughs> JJ, ladies first, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Raph. Yeah, this was, uh, I think you felt bad for coming in and, and crashing um, ours. So you, you dragged the knockdown drag out over here onto DTSR. So we're happy to continue the fight slash conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I certainly felt a little a little bad. Uh, I, I felt a little bad because I kept throwing questions at you guys and somebody had to go read them. And uh, and, and that somebody was was that guy uh, below me in the magical squares. Hey, Josh. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Yeah, you were throwing bombs from the back of the room. And I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. oh hang on. Raf said something. Blah, blah, blah. Wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute. Raf said something. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> but it was fun. And uh, yes. Oh, it was. It I, was. I, I was the guy. I was in the guy in the, uh, in the back of the proverbial room uh, chucking uh, tomatoes onto the uh, stage. But they were juicy tomatoes. So that was good. And always, you know, James, welcome back to the show. Uh, good to have you back. Thanks. I actually, I, I listened to the first half of that other show because I was like, wow, I'll actually maybe be somewhat prepared. I got a little bit of something before the show this time. Nice. And I got about halfway through it, but I actually had work issues that came up and I was unable to, and I was like, God, I, the one time I'm trying to get through this. Life <laughs> always gets in the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Work issues. Suddenly, uh, you know, listen, popped up for James. <laughs> what is this work thing you speak of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Josh is uh, Josh is being uh, fully Mr. Mom today. I love it. Well done, sir. You know what? You got two kids, you do what you, you got to do. do. What you I mean, you know do. About this that. is correct. This is 100% correct. All right, so let's see. Where did we, where did we leave off? I think we left off with uh, why don't we just quick recap? Uh, we'll do that. Um, so the debate, JJ, why don't you go ahead and recap for us? Because you were, you even had your referee shirt on last time, which was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, that was she dope. literally went, wait, wait, I've got an Amazon package for this. She went, ripped open the Amazon package, pulled out a referee shirt and slung it on in midstream. I was like, yes. You know, in this industry, you've just got to find ways to have fun. And I had posted jokingly that I was going to be refereeing Josh and Shannon. And then of course... Being the Amazon shopper that I am, two clicks later, I had a referee shirt. Um, what I did not have was the hat and whistle. I'm going to complete that outfit before we have another another one of these. Um, so to recap, uh, long story short, Josh, Shannon, and I are all faculty advisors with IONS. And we have our you know a little Slack channel where we have conversations. Um, I do a lot of the BYOD consulting for a lot of different organizations there and my direct clients. And I'm actually writing a training on... Um, planning and executing a BYOD strategy that's going to be debuting with IONS next month. Um, and so we were kind of having some conversations around that, which spiraled down into a different thread somewhere else where somebody said BYOD needs to die. And then we were, anyway, it started this, this kind of like, yeah, that was Josh. Um, 
So it started this sort of, you know, know flutter of activity and opinions about whether BYOD needed to die and why and what the pros and cons were. And then here we are. We just thought it would be fun to roll the Slack conversation out into the world and let other people join us. Right. So, uh, at some point, Josh, I'm going to I'm going to ask uh, the, the little one to, to give us a give us her take on it. But for now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to leave it with this. So she is deviceless, although she's really good at the remotes. So it's kind of impressive. That, that is. Yeah. The, yes. Yeah. Uh, pinch zoom. I I, rem- I had a uh, friend of mine, uh, just total sidebar, since you have a kid in your lap. I had a friend of mine who had a, uh, a, a little one. I think it was like she was five at the time. Or watching TV, she runs up to the TV, smashes it, and tries to like scroll. He's like, "No, no, honey, that's a regular T. That's not an iPad." <laughs> anyway, hey, but if the TV had a touchscreen, it would have worked. It okay? would. It would have at, at, at a seventy-five inch touchscreen would have been slightly pricey, but um, yeah. Anyway, all right. So look, uh, the, the contention is uh, BYOD: bring your own device, and. I thought I'd put a spin on it because my thought is, is that even is that a term even relevant anymore? Who isn't bringing their own device? You know, actually, I'm, I'm going to I think we need to go back in definitions for just a minute because bring your own device is important. It's a it's a definition that we used and a term that we used for God, how many years? Right. But these days, there's also bring your own browser for all your SaaS apps. These is days, that what BYOB stands network. for? No wonder well, HR has been a asking me to put, put the cooler down. Got it. And Josh froze. Oh, no, Eon froze. That was so good. No, it froze. Here we go. Oh, Am I back? Okay, good. So there's, there's BYOB, which is not the one you're thinking of. I know you, you and your green monsters. But, um, dude, ask sometimes somebody can ask him about the time he went to a B-Sides Delaware uh, sponsor dinner and made everybody there drunk. I did no such thing. I, I forced no one to do anything. It was delicious. You had to have one See? and three and five of them. And But uh, no, in all seriousness, we, we, we've done BYOB, which is bring your yep. own browser for SaaS apps. We've done... She agrees. You don't do BYOB. Um, we've done BYON for bring your own network. We've done so many different BYOs that what are you complaining about now? Oh, fine. You're not on my lap. You're not on camera. There we go. Better. Uh, she wants the keyboard. Have the keyboard. I, I don't worry. It's a Bluetooth and I turned the power oh, good. off. But, um, she has, I have decoy keyboards all over the bloody house. It's hilarious. Decoy keyboards, decoy mice. I, I, I'm about to start with the decoy laptops because she's catching on that they're not working. That's funny. What? All right. So we've got all these different BYOs. Bring your own this, bring your own that, bring your own the other thing. Okay. Uh, does it matter anymore? And, and that's an interesting question because we've got, where is the security demarcation point, the line, the line at which there's corporate and there's personal? Is it when I'm doing all SaaS apps and I can do them on anything because I don't care anymore? Is it when I'm using you know, my own network, right? Is it when I'm like, where is that line? And I think that's the kicker that we need to talk about. That's the, the real. Yep. And she muted him. Yeah. She muted him. That's all right. I I was going to do it anyway. (laughs) No, I muted her, but it worked on me too. Um, So the, uh, she was complaining and she only complains at one volume and it's way up there. Okay. She definitely inherited her dad's lungs. Let's put it that way. Uh, although my older one, my five-year-old, she literally will, will go somewhere and she'll be like, I need to scream. Okay, scream. We're in an open park where nobody's around. There'll be people a quarter of a mile away that will turn their heads and be like, oh my God. They think I'm killing her or something. It's crazy. Anyway, um, so where is that demarcation line? And that's my challenge. Tell me where the demarcation line is from business to personal on any of these things. JJ, you're a guest on this one. You're not the referee. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, you know, d- you know, words have meaning and definitions. We have to define what we mean by it. But I, but I think my, my argument here with the whole we need to address BYOD is and it is a thing still. So Josh is speaking of it in the past tense as though we're mourning the death. Um, so I don't really agree that it's it's gone. Not mourning. Not, not mourning. Well, you're not mourning it, but you're you're trying to get us. Mourning. So. Um, but I think we're at the point. So a lot of the conversation spun with with us as faculty around, you know, is there even an ROI? Because a lot of 
a lot of the justification has been a cost-based justification of it's less expensive to let people use their things than to buy the things like maybe, you know, mobile phones being the best example there. Cause the sliding scale, there's like really a rainbow of BYOD, just like there's the 50 shades of guest, right? Because yeah, BYOD sure. could mean to some organizations, it's as simple as I don't want to make you go through. You like my 50 shades of guest, didn't you? I'm, yeah. Yeah, that was good. You've read all of the oh. books, haven't you? They're books, aren't they? Or are they movies? I don't even know. I this. don't know. What There's that? multiple. They just they keep getting worse and worse as they go along. I read them out of morbid curiosity, to be honest okay, with you. No. <laughs> I like that Josh, adre- uh, plural, read them. And James is just stone-faced down there. What is happening? He, he, he's okay. having none His of his wife is about three feet away going, you better not have read those books. <laughs> the, the, the rain- we read them together, okay? <laughs> The, Family the rainbow of BYOD could be as innocuous as I'm going to let my employees bring their random crap into the network and have internet only access without having to go through a guest portal. That's that's one end of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. But that is actually like half of the organizations I work with. That's one of their main goals. Now that's a whole different, that's a different conversation we'll come to. So this other notion of bring your own whatever, and you're accessing some type of corporate resource with it, email, calendar, Teams, Google, whatever. That's, I think, the the spectrum, you know, Josh and I are talking about. Um, and I think it stems from, you know, some of its productivity. And then the argument is, well, we don't want people working 24 by 7. But it's this, it's this notion of people don't want to carry two devices around. I certainly don't like it when I have to do it. And it's not 24-7. It's not that we expect to be texting your coworkers or teamsing at 10 o'clock at night. But it's, okay, if you're going to go drop your kid off at school, if you're going to take a a weird lunch break, especially working from home with flexible schedules, are you Mm -hmm. going to, are we going to keep carrying two and three devices around? I, I, look, well, I mean, who doesn't want a bat belt? Come on. I, look, I gave you guys my opinion on on, on your show, JJ's, and that is, I, I stopped wanting to do that over a decade ago, right? I I, I worked for a company that insisted they give you a device, and it was cool, uh, but it was heavily restricted, and you couldn't install anything. Like, all right, well, I'm going to get my own phone because I don't want the company having my entire address book. Not that there's anything secret in it, except for you know Batman's number, but, um, but. I, there's there's no real reason why the my personal work life needed to mix, and then like time went by, and you realize that like my Android has a a work in a home profile, right? And because we're on G Suite and it works that way, um, so my they're completely separate on the phone, uh, and. I think the days of not having work email work apps on your personal device are, I think those are gone. Like early, uh, we'll say 2004, 2003 ish. I was at GE and we were talking about the work for like work anywhere, anytime initiative, which was basically a a way of saying we, we expect employees to be available pretty much at all given hours to be able to have the convenience of working from a coffee shop, because uh, we didn't call them all Starbucks at that point, uh, a library, uh, your house, whatever, right? And that's great, but we we didn't we didn't account for the fact that people didn't want to carry uh, stuff that was heavily restricted. And then, so you, if you're going on, you know, you're going on vacation. Oh, let me let me flip that around. You're going on a work trip. You're going to. Uh, not Las Vegas, but you're going to RSA, which is a little bit more innocuous, right? You're going to be gone for four or five days. Are you not going to bring your home email or any way to call your kid? Like, of course you are. Are you going to bring two laptops? Like who wants to do that? No, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got it. Like, I think that we had to find a way around that. And the whole idea, and this is what we got into last time, Josh, we got into this idea of like, uh, uh, appropriate levels of auth. Like if you go into uh, Salesforce, it requires you to SSO and it takes, you know, different care of your data. You can't download, like it disables you from downloading things and all that. Right. I, I think that, that I think the, once we've now 
this is under the this is under the if you do these things, if you employ these controls, right? That's that's the that's the foundation of properly, this. properly, fair, properly. Then this whole BYOD, like should we BYOD, is almost irrelevant. It, I say almost because there are edge cases, and I typed one out last time where you know we've got local you know, police departments and social workers and doctors and all sorts of things that you probably want those things segmented, but, and more, more physically. Right. But does that make sense? I mean, am I, am I too, too far? Here's the, here's the issues. There's one issue, which is I don't want to carry two devices, totally legitimate, but I get it. Then there's the issue of, I want to make sure that my corporate data is protected from all, uh, from all, threats, if at all possible. And we protect it. We don't allow you on, you know, let's assume it's a fairly secure environment. We don't allow you on Facebook on your corporate laptop. Why would I allow you on Facebook on your personal phone if it's also your corporate phone? Okay. You, you, the, 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 the attack vectors, you've just added massive attack vectors when you allow personal phones okay. on a network. Okay. Now let's, let's clarify. Sorry. Little one's teething. Oh my God. That's painful. Jesus. Child. Um, all right. She's really got a good bite. Um, if you had, do you remember the black phone? Yeah, I had one. It's still around technically, but I don't think they, they sell them anymore. Um, the black phone had multiple identities Yes, and the black phone identities were fully segmented like your Android work and, uh, work and personal profile, yep. but even more so like they were practically separate phones. It used the hardware of the cell phone for everything, but it was, it was pretty much, you're going to go to mommy. There we go. Hang on one second. There we go. Hey, new coworker. Uh, there we go. Thank you. So, um, the black phone had fully segmented identities, and and like if you're old like me, you remember what they used to call NIM, which was your your name, identity, and everything else. Okay, NYM. Yeah. Uh, and you could be anonymous, and that's where it came from. But uh, if you have fully separate identities, fully separate profiles, okay, I'm good with that. That's a legitimate point. All right. But we don't. Yeah. And that's my problem. We don't have a, uh, the, oh, everything is sandboxed. Yeah, not so much. Okay. If, if you could show me an, an, a device that I could fully segment a work, a personal, a consultant, your nonprofit that you work with, how many companies does anybody here work with? Like, like Raf, how many companies do you work with and volunteer at and help out with and you know, have 14 side gigs or whatever, like a significant amount, greater than zero. Yeah. (laughs) Greater than, well, great. Zero would mean you had no personal life either. Well, that may be true. (laughs) But, um, the, the point is, is that I need something that can segregate those. And while I use an iPhone personally, just because it is a higher security device, Android actually has the, the sandboxing better for the, the profiles, the apps, I, th- I think Apple has a slight edge on app sandboxing, but for the profiles, Android does it better, 100%, but they only do two. Yeah. Could they do five, seven, 12? That'd be great. Uh, then I'd be okay with BYOD. And JJ, does that make sense what I'm saying? It's cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I get where you're going. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Guys, I like we that. heard it here. I am adorable. Thank you. Okay. So... <laughs> I think, like usual, we we get hung up on aspects of of BYOD, um, and, and so part of like what I hope to address in some of the training I'm putting together is s- some of the other aspects because there's the technical controls of what RAF described, which is kind of more like a mobile application management where we're wrapping the protection around the applications and the data we're accessing instead of the device we're accessing it from, and that is a fantastic model. I think it's one we all want to move to or towards. But not every application in the business supports that, and not all of it's federated the way that we want to. So at some point, for some people sometimes, and right now that's a large percentage, if they're doing something more than just Microsoft-based applications, we need something. Because in fact, I've been digging for some other clients to, to understand a lot of organizations are using the Google Suite. And we can't even do the same type of conditional access policy and mobile application management yes. type of security on G Suite yet. So we don't have parity there. And then we've got all of the craziness. So we've got non-parity in the applications and the data. We've got non-parity 
in the device platforms, because Android's very different than Apple, it's very different than Windows, et cetera, et cetera. And so the whole control portion of BYOD, of figuring out who can access what, when, where, how, and why, is just a hot mess, and it has to be better defined. But there's also this whole other side of things, which is the legal aspect and the fact that even just using your personal phone, if you're texting a coworker or a business partner or a provider or somebody that you're working with, right? Or taking phone calls from those people on your phone. There's all of these e-discovery legal considerations around the text, the phone calls, in addition to the corporate security controls and things like DLP we're concerned about. So I, I feel like it's a, it's a bigger concern. We tend to tackle one slice of it at a time. And the definitions oh, definitely yeah. matter. You're absolutely correct. I mean, look at look at a financial institution that has by law to maintain all the texts, all the messages, all the everything. And if you let them, uh, a broker or, or, or a trader, use their personal phone for that, all their texts, all of their texts get archived and put into that. And that can get ugly. It's actually, I believe it's been used in multiple divorces. It's been used in... Um, uh, cases about infidelity and then multiple divorces, <laughs> uh, 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 not just insider trading, but also things like, you know, literally criminal drug investigations. The DEA has subpoenaed them at some points. It's it, it, not that brokers ever do any drugs. Um, so, uh, Josh. but yeah, but look, here, look, how do you get How do you get around that though? If, even if you give somebody a business phone, all it takes is one employee to text somebody on their personal phone and now their personal phone's drawn into this. Like, is that like, then what's the purpose of having the business phone? Like all it takes is one, one text and I can get your whole personal phone pulled into it. I might as well use my personal device. Right. I mean, yeah, you're abs- okay. So, so you're absolutely <laughs> right. And what we do is we build policies and the policy state that to text on a bit in a business capacity, you're going to use your business device or your business profile or just, just roll with it as a, a business device for a minute. And then if you use your personal device, you're terminated, you're done, you're toast. Okay. For any reason, because the fines, I mean, what, what did they hit Goldman? Was it Goldman that they hit for like a billion dollars? I don't remember. It was, it was one of the biggies that they hit. It was JPMC or Goldman that they hit for a billion dollars for them, for their brokers using WhatsApp instead of actually the, the text platform that they were supposed to use, which archives their texts. Mm. This is not like, it's not small pennies. Okay. So is, all right, maybe, we, maybe we'll, we'll slice this up a little bit further. Is this then, uh, is, is finance an edge case here? Cause I don't think it works that way in, in most other industries, right? Is, it's only, oh, no, no, yeah, no, I was not, I was not, I was not purporting about anything else. It was just that was we, we were chatting that way, and that was a valid yeah. point that there are some industries, finance being one of them, where there's such regulatory like like a monstrosity of regulation that you have to do something special for that. Okay. Well, and even okay, you know, uh, JJ, I'm pu- public sector. If if the company uh, company is the wrong word, if the agency, the organization, right, in public sector, at least in the U.S., even partially pays for the device that you're using. All of that is considered property uh, of the government and discoverable in FOIA. Like there's, there's this whole, right. It's a spider web of (laughs) considerations regardless of the industry. So if I work for DOE or any deal, whatever, right. And they say, we're not going to give you a business phone, an agency phone. We're going to give you, uh, we're going to pay for your phone plan because they pay for my phone plan. They give me my 40 bucks a month or whatever. They, if, if there's ever a court case, my phone is, hi, have a nice day. Thank you for your phone. Am I correct, um, JJ? Yes and no. So let me, let me back up to the, the DOE is probably a bad example because they are going to issue you a phone and you are going to use that. Um, yeah, that's that, true. That, is, yeah. that is one of but the other know. things that, that I have to carry around. Um, but, but let's, any, any organization actually doesn't even matter if it's federal government, it could be a manufacturer, right? Like, let's just keep it super simple here. Yes. If they determine that your personal device may have business related items on it that can't be discovered through other mechanisms and it's worth, if the juice is worth the squeeze, yes, your personal device or devices are eligible for e-discovery and they can be seized. Absolutely. Yes. And, and also during that period, 
well, during all of the period, you as the employee are the data custodian. So sometimes there's actually things that the organization needs to tell the employee, hey, you need to go, Josh, change these settings on your phone because you're going to be you're going to be on a discovery hold. Go set your other apps that we don't have control over to save data in these ways in order to be compliant and give consent. That's a uh, oof. That's ugly. That's that, and that, and and that's an unusual situation. One would yes, hope. Yes, I, I would. But hope. Um, but I mean that's that's one of the downsides of BYD. Look, as, as in any issue, there are upsides and downsides to BYOD, BYOB. You know, to, to, for whatever. Okay, so so the question is, where is the risk profile for your company and your organization, your agency? What is the appropriate level of risk you're willing to take? And what is the appropriate level of discomfort, meaning carrying two phones, you know, lugging around an iPad, whatever, that your people are willing to undergo? And how much money do you have to pay them to make them undergo it if, you, if they don't feel, really feel like it? So, uh, I, I, you know, this is the last one, two, three companies that I've worked for, two companies, because one of them was weird, but that third one back was weird. But last couple of companies that I've worked for. They hired for, you. Huh? <laughs> they hired you. you know? That explains a few things. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm sorry. But there was a uh, – all the apps were behind an SSO. It was all – there was nothing on-premise in the company. It was all web apps, uh, every, every, literally everything. So they were like, hey, do you want a device or do you just want to use your you know home laptop? And I was like, I don't want to carry a second one. So it was great. It did, I didn't need that, right? And I think more pressingly – this becomes interesting because this this conditional access piece, I think, is is a lot of the data security and conditional access, I think, are the two axes here, right? So if we if we say you can't uh access this, these these was it the, the, those disclaimers you get on corporate laptops, you know, uh, only access this from a corporate network by authorized personnel. The motto of the day. Yeah, yeah. during during uh, work hours, blah, blah, blah. So you log into you know your again Salesforce uh, from my from from a my 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 iPad here right you log into this thing um, and it says well you're only allowed to access this from from uh, you know uh, known devices that are part of the company company's inventory or whatever you're like that's cute click and you access it nothing stopping you right uh, but there are tools that can stop you that that. Provide that conditional. Well, accent. you've just done two things actually. When you go past that motto of the day, what you've done is oh, apparently I hit Zoom. Dear God, this is a new camera that I'm trying out. Sorry, <laughs> Josh. In um, close. There we go. That's oh better. man. Um, I bought one of those OBS bot cameras, and apparently it has gesture control. This is bad. Don't do that. Okay. Uh, so the. Um, what you've just done by going past that motto of the day is you've broken a CFAA uh, guideline. CFAA, with that new ruling I that came out, uh, so I can't think of the name, uh, actually says that there has to be a gate or a barrier in place in order for you to be judged broken or breaking that CFAA barrier. So if they put a motto of the day, which they've been doing for, what, 40 years yeah. now? Uh, or they put some form of you must go through something to get there. It doesn't matter if you can one-click buy it but you have gone through something. And if they decide that you are a scumbag and they want you now, there's now it's a CFAA violation and they can prosecute. you. Huh. Yeah. But Ralph, I'll, I'll throw this in for your consideration. Cause kind of what you described would be like a mobile application management policy with a conditional access, but let's, let's just forget the motto of the day thing. And let's say that you can get to whatever OneDrive, Google, something Salesforce, whatever the application is, then the concern is not that you would do this, but James down there looks a little shady. James might log James in and export, download the entire customer list and then resign and then go take that somewhere else. Or, you know what I mean? Like the, the intellectual property yep. and the yep. customer's contact information, sales information for every application, right? Like we used to say, oh, it's just, you know, email marketing or it's just access to email on a personal device, but now we have passwordless login through email or somebody gets a hold of an email marketing system and then sends out what look to be legitimate emails to contacts, <laughs> right? We've seen that in yeah. the past 18 months. So 
it's just so much more complicated than, you know, protecting labeled data the way that we had been before. And, and honestly, let's also add to that, JJ, if you don't mind, because great point, great bloody point. But let, let me add to that is how many companies do you think know where all their important, sensitive, restricted, confidential, PII, HIPAA, SOC 2, blah, blah, all blah, them, whatever Josh. data actually is? Yeah, right. And how many of them have it tagged properly? How many of them have the, the data access lists properly done? Security groups, data owner review, privilege creep man- managed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look, most companies I talk to don't even have an information inventory completed, okay? much less have it tagged, much less have the data con- access properly done. I mean, anybody telling me I'm No, wrong? that's exactly my point. And my point is even the stuff that would never get labeled, like logging into Constant Contact or SurveyMonkey or whatever has stuff that you don't want bad people accessing or you don't want them scraping credentials for. So we've got a DLP issue. We've got a ransomware or malware spreading issue. We've got credential scraping opportunity off of personal devices. So there's all of this stuff that's peripheral and in addition to just accessing the data and applications. How how do you stop some of that stuff though? Like a survey monkey, some of these other ones that, you know, there's a lot of stuff like O365 and some of those, like I can stop you from logging in with anything except for our company owned devices. But can you stop anybody from just going in and taking their SurveyMonkey account out terminal and just loading up a browser? Some, like, how do we stop those? Yeah. Like, we, there's still that gap that we're never going to be able to cover, so, right? Well, two things. I think some, well, no, I know some SaaS applications do have integrations into fill in the blank with whatever tool or monitoring or CASB or blah, blah, blah. Um, There's also, I think if you are saying and supporting, if you know that a user might access something from a personal device and you have a policy to support that in a secure way or as secure as you can, that helps resolve some of the issue with them going off rogue into SaaS applications. It's like giving out condoms in school. You know they're going to do it. Oh, you're telling me I'm, I'm radical. You're awesome, lady. <laughs> College school. <laughs> it's College school, over. It's like, right? I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to get banned. I'm screwed. And <laughs> Look, here's the problem. We have so many more different ways to get at data than we ever had before. We have data stored in so many more different places. You know, I, I tell the story that, that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, companies were walled gardens in and of themselves. Everything I work on is in my data center. Everything I do is in my data center. I have a perimeter where the only people that come in are things that I've vetted so extensively, it's scary. Nowadays, we have fishnets, yeah. you know, and, and, and no, not perimeters. Yeah. We have deperimeterized, which is a funny word we all had to learn. And my, my five-year-old says, what are you saying, Dad? Anyway, but like we've deperimeterized. We are, we've opened the door to everybody and their cousin. Zero trust is, is basically micro-perimeters if you think about it. So how do we micro-perimeter when we allow them to have their own hardware, their own devices? How do we micro-perimeter when we allow anybody anywhere to get at any data on a, on a browser? All right. It's really tough. I'm going I'm to take an audience question or uh, this, because this is the perfect time to drop a Molotov cocktail into this bar. Uh, Tom Venable says, how does BYOD play into your third-party risk management when a third-party permits personal devices and you're trying to prove that you're in control of your data? How do you demonstrate control? Tom, drop the mic, walk off stage. That's a great question, and here's the answer. You can't. (laughs) If If your risk, data risk systems and policies and such, if your data risk uh, uh, stance is such that you must have control of your data on corporate-owned devices at all times, and you have a third party, a, a data sharing partner of some sort, and everybody has them, right? Uh, that third-party data sharing partner must fall under contract, protect your data as strongly as you protect your data, which means that they must follow effectively your policies and your systems, okay, and do it the way you do it, which means that they should only have the data on corporate-owned devices. Their corporation, not yours, but corporate-owned devices. If you do it any other way. Now, if you're allowing people access to data on personal devices, well, that's fine. Then you're, you're maintaining a, a coherent and consistent risk appetite and risk tolerance and risk stance across that boundary, across the demarcation line. 
Does that make sense? That, that's my point of view. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear opposites. Or, or I others. think, I think that there's no, other, there's really no other answer there. I mean, if you, you have to adhere, if you're, if you're attesting to something like that, you ha- your partners have to adhere to your policies. Like there's, there's not really like I do it this way, but it's okay. They do it differently. It's like, no, it's not how this works. Like you, you got to pass that pain along. Actually, this goes to another question or a sort of similar topic, AI. You know, I, I've taken, a, I can't tell you how many calls about AI. And every time I get asked, you know, I say, hey, one of the risk categories for AI is third parties. They go, what do you mean? Like how many data sharing partners do you have? You know, tens, hundreds, thousands, thousands of data sharing partners. Okay. And I go, great. Do you have anything in your vendor contract about AI and, and data shared with AI? Like, no. I'm like, of course not. It's only been here a few months. Do you have a clause in your contract stating that they will protect your data as strongly as you protect your data? Well, yeah, I think we've got that. Great. Hand them your AI policy because then they have to adhere to it. It's, it's a similar type of idea. You better have yeah. something like that in your vendor contracts or you're in trouble. Is this? I was just thinking about that, actually, because, Raph, we just did we that just episode. Did. I don't know if it's been released yet, nope. but we just had that episode Shortly. talking about AI. Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> that'll be coming up. Way to foresee that future. No. Because uh, that that was exactly that same idea, right? Is, you know, do they have that in policy and what do you see there? It's interesting to think, though, you know, one, how many people actually need BYOD? If you're not talking about an organization that's saying, hey, we're not going to buy anybody computers, like everything's SaaS, you can just log in with yours. But from a phone perspective, like how many people actually need it? I mean, Go back to the beginning of the episode, Raph. I know I've discussed this before. Like, I am the guy that when I travel, I have a work laptop and a personal laptop because I don't mix the two. Weirdo. I don't I mix. It. We're my- just rocking. It's just for just. No. For <laughs> yeah, it's the extra weight. I love it. Uh, you know, I don't use my personal phone for work. Um, you know, the only bit it would be used for is if they text me and say, hey, something's up. I need you. Uh, but, you know, I don't log into any apps or anything like that on my work phone or on my personal phone. Right. Like, I just don't, do, I don't carry a work phone. You know, it's really funny because I, I, I'm, I'm a one-person company and I have several companies I work with, and I have all those emails on my personal phone, okay? Meanwhile, JJ, who's arguing for BYOD, is the one who's like, yeah, I've got the, spare, the phone from DOE and the phone from this, the phone. It's hilarious. I, I, so I, hang on. I don't carry separate phones for things, but sometimes there are separate d- things for, it doesn't matter, but there's other se- separate stuff. <laughs> The game to answer your question. There's more than one use case. So there's there's phones, right? And I think most people want to be available by email. They want their calendars aggregated in, in one place so they can yes. figure out when they're free to do things. They want to have access to Teams, Slack, whatever their coworkers are, are using during the day, during the day, not at nine o'clock Sunday morning. And not yeah. have to carry around two phones, two laptops, two ta- two whatevers. So I, I think I think yes, we have a lot of people that need BYOD, even outside. Now let me let me let me go down here and then come back over uh, a completely different two use cases for you guys to consider. Because I just love it's rabbit hole, right? So I'm going to jump around and JJ, we're going to scroll around the any, rabbit hole. I didn't pour any bourbon, so I I just but JJ. Real quick on that, though, the the use case you're laying out, though, is somebody that is like traveling and not away from their desk. Like if I'm working, I'm here at my computer. If I'm going to a doctor's appointment, you know, that's that piece where people are like, oh, I'm heading to the doctor. I'll be on Teams if you need me. Like, no, I'm heading to the doctor (laughs) and I'll be back when I'm done. You know, like I don't I'm going to run an errand. You know, that's different than people that are traveling out to a con and they're going to be gone for multiple days. And they're living off their phone. Like how many people actually that are at their desk all day long really actually need to be accessing that stuff on their device, phone as being device versus their, their system? Okay. Well, I'm, I am like you, James, whereas that usually during the day, <laughs> I'm pretty parked, right? I'm not quite as boring as you are, so I don't stay here all day every day. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I just have to pick on James. He's an easy target. It's just how it is. I, I mean, I'm here people, all day. Like a I, lot of people are running around in the world and they are not sitting down at their desk when they're working. They're driving around. They're going to conferences. They're going to customer meetings. They're doing whatever. They're on a marketing team and they're at an event and they're live tweeting or 
fuck, what are we calling it now? Live Xing? I don't know. Whatever. They're like posting. <laughs> there goes oh, your rating. Well, yeah. there goes my rating. Explicit We're going to be gone. in trouble. You can't swear at LinkedIn. Good job, JJ. <laughs> Sorry. We just got kicked off. Ding, gone. <laughs> of all the people here who had JJ as dropping the F-bomb on their bingo, not me. I was I was betting on Josh. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever the flipping we're calling it now, good. but you have all of these people, again, you know, all the marketing people, all of the sales people, if you ask most salespeople, regardless of the industry that they're in, they get customer calls and text messages on their personal cell phone. Yeah. So let me throw these other couple, okay, let me throw these other two. That's different though than, that, that's different though than, you know, you got specialty positions. Developers are developing at their desk. I don't need you running all around and having access to cre- critical elements like GitHub and stuff like that on a separate device, right? So that we can I limit agree down with. what you have access. To. That I agree with, and I think part of the cycle of BYOD exploration ran is because of what happened with LastPass. It's w- one of several, right? Where yeah. a personal, yeah. a developer was allowed to access something that they probably. This is my understanding. I, I don't know, but my understanding is. A developer was one of the few developers, like four people, who had the actual keys to the kingdom and the and the the keys to get into the production environment. The personal computer was violated and breached through a Plex server, and the attackers were able to watch and gather enough data to impersonate that user, even coming from a different network. So there, there's a lot of lessons learned, I think, for all of us in that. But I'm totally of the opinion, yes, if if you're that kind of employee, but come on, James, how many of those people are there in the giant world beyond us just working in IT? Well, okay, hang on a second. How about privileged access? You know, w- w- one of the things we've been telling people for how long is your, your privileged access, your admins, have a privileged account and a normal account, right? But they've, you know, if, if we have any of those accounts on a phone, so you can get your privileged account email or your, your two-factor or your whatever. And, and uh, I've got personal stuff on the phone. What we're talking about here, that when we go back to the core question of BYOD, it is attack surface management. All right? Somebody's pissed off. Um, what we have is we have a larger attack surface on a personal device than we do on a business device. Now, for a low security personnel, but who are those? Your salespeople who James just explained that they're going to, you know, he totally threw them under the bus. Every salesperson hates James. Uh, James just explained that they all need access to customer data so that they can, not necessarily like sales data, but at least contact data, right? Well, if I can get into your phone and I can use your phone to log into Constant Contact or Salesforce or whatever, hey, guess what? I just got all your customers, all right? And and. It's not necessarily the the the, the P and L. It's not it's not how much they spent, but I, I certainly the contact info is pretty damn useful, right? So, hold on. BYOD at its core is where do we lay our boundaries? Where is our permit? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. You, you just hit the boundaries question. So this is now convenience versus security. I'm sure this is the first time anybody's ever had this discussion before. And somewhere in there, there's a magical uh, point because as you guys were talking, right? I, I I can't help but think if this work anywhere, anytime thing hadn't come up, would we just have better mental health in our industry? Because we wouldn't all be trying to answer work calls at two a.m. There's a part of me that thinks that if if I didn't have work stuff on my personal device and I had to. I could actually at 8 p.m. Eastern because my company's West Coast, which arguably gets rough sometimes, uh, say, you know what? I'm done. I'm putting this on the charger, volume off, see you tomorrow, phone. And and then there's like a part of this that says, yeah, but that's not really how to the world works today. Is it still? And now you're going into a mental health argument, and it's a good one. Is it? But it's also a difficult one. No, no, it's a full mental health argument. I, I think this work-life balance is mental health. Yeah, okay. All right? The, 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 the idea that I'm available 24-7, and JJ, you said this earlier, it's not, it shouldn't be a 24-7 world. While the world is 24-7, our world, our individual worlds, Raph's world, James' world, JJ's world, my world, shouldn't be 24-7 work. If it is, 
we're not healthy. Yeah, we're doing something wrong. Okay, now mind you, we're probably not healthy anyway. We're all whacked out. But <laughs> I, I but don't answer it's, it's, unless somebody and and part of that's just setting boundaries and expectations with the people around you, right? Because here's what I have found from working with a lot of people. We and this is a this is just a global statement. We teach people how to treat us. If they think they can call us and email us and text us at 10 p.m. unless literally there is a burning fire, then it's because we led them to believe that was okay. Do you know what? The only times people call and text and message me late at night are when I have a government organization that has in the middle of a ransomware event. Those are the calls I get in the middle of the night. Now, I don't do incident response for malware, so but all all I can do is hold their hand and um, you know bring cookies or whatever. But Those are the calls. Those are the calls I don't mind getting in the middle of the night. I don't get all of the other calls, text, emails. And even though I service a crap load of customers. So I, I, but I think it is systemic, especially in our industry, that that's what's expected of us. And I would love to see us put our foot down and start to change that narrative because we're not, you know, this idea of working in security or working in technology is like, you're the hoodie or you're the geek or you're in your parents' basement because you don't know how to interact with other humans and you don't have a life. It's just crap. We're all human. I have my own basement now. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, JJ, your, your basement looks good. I mean, it's like, you got a nice background down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Raph, let me, let me throw this. Let, no, me, let me go a monkey wrench for a second. Uh-oh. What about the people that are sitting at home James at their desk working during the day and they have a home printer they're using or a mouse that they like or a keyboard or a camera or a microphone or one of these other Bluetooth or USB or removable media. What are you pointing at? I can't say her name. Oh, Um. yes. (laughs) Alexa, order me a dollhouse. (laughs) Oh, Josh, that's just mean. (laughs) Yes. So I think. Alexa, add 50 gallon barrel of lube to shop. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Can I mute him? Uh, Yes. (laughs) It's so funny because I was actually, we were just scrolling through because I was having this conversation about uh, a friend uh, found our address here. And uh, sent some flowers to be funny. And we were kind of laughing. And I said, well, in the in the security world, like, the, it escalates quickly. And I was trying to find the thread where somebody sent Dave Kennedy the 50-gallon barrel of lube because that did there that did happen. There's a photo of it on Facebook. Um, there's, there's a 50-gallon barrel of lube at Milton Security, at Trusted Sec, and at um, uh, Security Weekly. Yeah. It, they, they, they round robin the damn things. <laughs> But my point is, it's not just laptops and phones. We we have to address this idea, especially with people working remotely, that you, they're going to bring their own lube or their own Bluetooth or their own camera or whatever they're going to hook in. Well, that's not even just remote, though, right? I mean, even in E-Y-O-L? the office. E-Y-O-L, bring your own lube. You could bring your own mouse, your own Bluetooth keyboard, anything into the office. Like that doesn't even right. change remote versus the, the internal printer. Yep. I got fired from the Federal Reserve Bank for bringing my own Bluetooth keyboard. So, but the the, the but this is like, but in most cases the endpoint controls for that are really twisty and hard, and again, non-consistent between platforms. Fair. Yeah. So okay. What what I'm starting to what I'm kind of uh, formulating in my head is that this is still a policy issue based on risk tolerance of the organization where it's convenience versus security and and this conversation is the same one we could have had ten years ago so I think the controls have gotten that. better however the platforms have gotten more diverse which makes tool, tooling this and and and, and like the high level policy stuff, I think we can we can get through, right? Like, hey, thou shalt not, employees shall not, you know, do not do this, do not do so that. So long as you understand your risk stance and risk tolerance before you write the policy. Which, which comes back to my the point I want to make here is, th- I suspect that a lot of companies, and we'll close out on this because we're running short on time, but a, a lot of companies make these decisions without actually look because this is a risk decision. 
they're making a financial decision potentially in lieu of doing some sort of risk analysis and they don't know it. That's the part where I think is the biggest problem for me from a, from a security perspective is that you have I, – I, I like when companies make informed decisions on this kind of stuff. But I would – sadly, those are few and far between because it's usually something else driving that conversation. And we don't actually see that there is a huge risk uh, factor into this equation, right? Is this something that my company can even tolerate? Am I a FinServe organization that – holy crap, did I just – make everybody's personal lives discoverable by, you know, whoever, by the SEC. The idea that risk should be a factor in decisions is brand new in most companies. <laughs> I wish you were I wish you were kidding. It's true. And I think culture plays a, a big part, which is, you know, cult, culture, the user culture and the security culture as well. Because one of the questions I hate answering for any organization is when they ask, what is everybody else doing for fill in the blank BYOD question? Because what one organization does doesn't necessarily translate to the other. And frankly, it may not be a best practice. They may be doing something, but it may not be the right thing even really for them. Well, but this is, this is, and Josh can relate to this right now. Uh, and this is like the, uh, you know, some people say, well, you know, doctor, what are other kids, what are other parents doing for their kids? You're like, that is not a relevant question. <laughs> they yeah. are completely different children. It's, it's yeah. yeah. With completely different circumstances, right. socioeconomic, uh, medical history, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. And, and like my two kids, one of them was 95th percentile growing and one of them is 60th, but they're both healthy. Yeah. We judge them on their own merits. And that's but what companies we, should be doing for their risks. Uh-huh. Don't we see, though, like we've seen history, though, of like legal cases, and I can't have any to cite, but there's been discussions we've had here on the show, Raph, talking about legal decisions where it's like, okay, but are you doing what everybody, like the majority of your industry is doing? And so it's not written down that practices. way, but right, like, so you're following industry best practices. So if you're going out there saying, hey, what is everybody else in my industry doing with BYOD? I Do mean, you know who sets industry point, practices? Lawyers. James, serious question. No, 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 no. Do you know who sets industry practices? JJ, Josh, Raph, James. We're the ones that tell how many companies how to write that policy and then get it passed legal and then get it put out there and then publicized. We actually do this thing where I put, when I work with a company, I make them put their policies on their website. Why? I tell them, make sure that every of your competitors steal your policies. Why? Because then it becomes industry standard. Yeah. So James, I think what you're what you're kind of referring to and completely valid is like whether somebody's negligent or not in what yeah. they've chosen to do. Right. But but at the end of the day, so that's that's kind of like, hey James, did you make a decision that's in line with your peers or not? Which is different than whether the organization is legally liable for X, Y, and Z, or yeah. not legally liable, but subject to any type of lawsuit or regulatory discovery where, you know, half of whatever, whatever department is in scope for uh, litigation hold. And suddenly you just have a hot mess on your hands. So. And the difference between legally negligent and industry best practice, there's your thumbnail, Raph, is, <laughs> is, is is a fascinating discussion and one we could have an entire other podcast on. Yeah. That is a big deal. Yeah. JJ has hit that so hard on the head. Not even she's well done, man. Yeah. It, it gets, hence, I think that's my two half day training on BYOD, which well, covers I, all of I think the, the answer is it's complicated, right? It, it's complicated. complicated and you have to make the decision that's right. Um, so in a sense, we actually did answer the question, which is, which is good, but we answered it like lawyers. It's complicated. It depends. It depends. My favorite answer. <laughs> I answer so many customer questions with. There's a lot of other factors. It depends. Yeah, that's pretty much all but Josh I, I, does in our Slack. It's like somebody asks something, he's like, "It depends." <laughs> well, I mean, come on, I, and I I give factors. I explain why. I, I'm just kidding. I'm picking on you. I know. I know. No, but she's she's right. There's there's we get these polls, and it's like. I'm like, it depends. Oh, you want to know what the best firewall is? It depends. You know, you want to know what your policy should say about X. Well, do you do Y? 
You know, it depends. And and it's hilarious. Hilarity ensues. All right. Well, this has been fun, you guys. Um, JJ, thanks for the inspiration. And I and some some LinkedIn algorithm uh, prompted me to go join your thing. And so I was like, all right, let's go do it. So this has been uh, this has been fun, even though uh, Josh has done, I, I think, a questionable uh, thing with his uh, with his with his uh, little one there punning off on mom. Uh, that's a. Uh, we're we're back and forthing. We're both working from home today. We're back and forth. Got it. Yeah. Was that a comment, Raph? Did somebody post that in the comments? No, no. Oh, just your That's observation. That's my observation. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I it's have, fair to trade some. off with whoever's not live on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a detail. It's a detail. Well, she was having so much fun on this show. I practically want to invite her to be on. She she would she would to- she she watches cameras, so she would totally be on the show. But like, huh? yeah, that's all right. Well, you know. I think it's interesting because ultimately some of this conversation really does uh, dive into pieces of what we're all allowed to do now. And that is, and and some of us, I've been blessed to be able to do this since a long, long time ago before any of this was discussed was that I get to, you know, spend time at home. I get to eat lunch at home, go for a walk, uh, not take an hour commute to the office anymore. Although the commute to Seattle would suck every day. Um, but you know this is this. But the downside of this, the, the trade-off I give, right, is that as a global company with global customers and a global leadership team, sometimes Sunday night at about like eight p.m., nine p.m., those folks in Australia are like, "Hey, it's Monday!" I'm like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> or is it on Sunday? Hold on, seventeen hours ahead. So it's. It, 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 some, at some point on Sunday, they're on Monday, and it's and it's not unpleasant. We've all had those calls, man. Seriously, like all of us, Australia, Singapore, yeah, India, yeah. We've all had those calls. I figured. I figured uh, this would it would abate at some point. It doesn't. It gets worse. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, you guys. JJ, it's been it's been fun. Uh, do you have a do not disturb what? setting? Because I do on everything. I do. I do. In fact, I have, I've been using the only non Apple device that I have is my Android. Cause I love my Android, but, um, all my Apple devices at like 7 PM go to like DND until morning, uh, which, which is okay. Except once I came back to, uh, like I don't have an operational job, right? I I'm responsible for services go to market. Like I don't really do something that's going to be on fire except once. About three days after I figured out the do not disturb function. <laughs> well, that'll teach you. <laughs> that, yeah. So, anyway, but now I've got it. So now you can set you can it set to up like, a single email allowed through your allowed through your D and D. And if some if that person emails you, then it'll come through. Well, that's the thing, right? Now you can set it to like VIPs. If my CEO is calling me, I don't care what time it is or where I am. I'm going to answer the phone, <laughs> except yep. for in church because God cares. <laughs> <laughs> James has not flinched once and we're all dying. I don't know what the heck. All right. <sighs> His annex is amazing. Like he's it just it's good. He's probably watching Netflix and not even listening to I've listened to everything. <laughs> One, you don't bust on church, man. I may not go, but you don't all bust right. on it. Like that's just that, you know, that's a little past. All right. All yeah, right. I don't not busting on it saying it. Just one time I, I was, don't answer I, I my think, word I think phone. that was 60% genuine. That like 90% genuine. Anyway. All right. Raph, thank you for inviting us. Much appreciated. This, this was a lot of fun. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for those of you guys that joined us live. And uh, then you will watch this again later. Uh, Josh, say bye. JJ, say bye. Uh, for Excellent. Uh, for myself and James, uh, thanks for uh, catching another Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast. We're going to cue the music and we're going. Bye-bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll 
see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. <laughs>